Please note, if you're listening to this, you must be 18 years of age or older. This podcast contains adult themes and may include descriptions that listeners could find offensive. Thank you. We've been playing games since humanity had civilization. There is something primal about our desire and our ability to play games. Jane McGonigal. Welcome to the Kinky Nerdy Polly Podcast. This is episode six. So this is now the the sixth episode of the podcast. We are live. We're live. Our our yeah. website just launched. Our, our first episode is up on Stitcher and Google Play. Yeah, and hopefully on Apple soon. Right. Uh, as soon as they get around to actually listening to the first episode. Because apparently real live human beings listen. Real live human beings. Not this, even just an algorithm. Yeah, actually listen to the stuff and make sure it's A-OK for, for these various platforms. Which surprised me, I will admit. Like, I thought, you know, they just trust in the algorithm. and Right. A lot of people put their place in these algorithms. They're not even, like, fine-tuned. Yeah. But this is the sixth episode of the Kinky Nerdy Poly Podcast. I am G. I'm M. And this episode, we're going to be talking about RPGs. Yes. Which is a subject near and dear to my heart. I don't know how M feels about them, but... Well, I mean, I'm newer to them. Yes. But I feel like since I I just started last year, in fact, almost a year and two months ago, I started in my first D&D campaign. Mm -hmm. Can I talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Okay. Or do we want to wait until we get into what uh, is RPG year? Yeah, let's first define what what RPGs are. Yeah, I'm rushing into it. Yeah. So, for those... Who are who are familiar with more military terms? RPGs does not stand for rocket propelled grenades. It does stand for, in this case, role playing games. And for our listeners who don't have any experience with RPGs, I think the simplest way to think about it. I believe now that I think about, it, I think we covered this in our definitions episode. Probably. Yes, I do remember us covering this in our definitions episode because I was the idiot saying banks and robbers yeah. instead of cops and robbers. <laughs> so funny, G. <sighs> oh, G, you're just a trip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never going to get over that pun. You're, you're never going to get over that pun and I'm, I'm never going to get tired of it. That That's something you can take to the bank, which is going to get robbed. In the game of banks and robbers, <laughs> yeah, there's no one to arrest those uh, those robbers. So RPGs are effectively sort of a game of imagination where people will get together to sort of tell a collaborative story, much like kids get together to tell sort of collaborative stories of cops and robbers. <laughs> Or any other sort of make-believe game they do, where, you know, they get to control their own character. Uh, However, the main difference between sort of what happens as a kid and what happens in an RPG is that there's usually some sort of method of task resolution, where if you try to perform a difficult task, there's usually a way to try to randomly determine whether you succeed at that task or not. Yeah. And this is probably the most annoying thing about RPGs for me. (laughs) 
Because, like, I kind of just like the idea of just being able to say, oh, I'm going to do this, and then it happens. And I feel like we just shouldn't have rules, but maybe that's just, I don't know. I know rules make things fair, and they... Yeah. Everybody agrees to them. Because then there's always that one kid who's got the who's got the laser gun and then there's the other kid who's like, Oh, well, I've got the laser deflecting shield. Mm-hmm. So you can't harm me with your laser gun. And then the first kid goes, Oh, well, actually my laser is the special anti shield laser that mm-hmm. pierces all anti laser shields mm-hmm. and it just keeps on going back and right. forth. And then it's not very uh, fun anymore. Yeah. But I do think there are definitely RPGs which are more sort of freeform mm-hmm. and very narrative focused. We played one recently. Yeah. Dream uh, Askew. Dream Askew. It was very good. Uh, props to the creators. Yeah. Props to the creators of Dream Askew, where that was very freeform, where we're just sort of yep. laying out story beats and taking control of random character, of random NPCs, and creating the oranges. I love the oranges. That was the... <laughs> oh, it's just... That was such a good part. The the prison gang, which led to the led to me having to say, there are a couple, couple oranges, couple on, oranges the gra- on the, on on the, the ground. ground. That was me. I came up with that name, the oranges. I think G thinks that's, that's not a very creative name. But for that statement alone, I, it was worth it. So, the main way that you have to resolve these kinds of tasks is usually by rolling dice. And the dice will usually determine whether whether you succeed or fail. Now, some of our some of our listeners may be asking, is this the same thing as Dungeons and Dragons and or D&D? And the answer is D&D is an RPG and it's one of the first first role-playing games, but not all RPGs are D&D. Uh, despite what Wizards of the Coast might want you to believe. Wizards of the Coast being the company that creates D&D. But there are many other kinds of RPGs. Em and I just played Dream Askew. I, uh, I've been looking forward to playing Golden Sky Stories. Yes. Just sort of um, a heartwarming, no-combat RPG. Yes. I've run a Dresden Files campaign. I've also played I played in the Old World of Darkness in a, in a mage game. Mage the Ascension, the Awakening, uh, I forget which mage it is, but the old mage. And there are plenty of other RPGs out there, Eclipse Phase, Blades in the Dark. Blades in the Dark, yep, which uh, is, of course I told you I was listening to the Marielda season of Friends at the Table, which is yes. a, an RPG podcast, and they're using Blades in the Dark for that. Yeah, and so there are lots of RPGs out there, it's not just D&D. I will admit, I think D&D is the biggest RPG. It's certainly the one the one that's most synonymous with RPGs, but there are lots of RPGs out there. And I'd highly encourage, if people have tried D&D and have not found they liked it, try to figure out what it is you didn't like about D&D and see if you could find another RPG which more suits your taste. If you don't like the fantasy setting, there are definitely lots of settings which are set in the modern day world or a science fiction setting if you think it's a bit too crunchy what does crunchy mean g crunchy refers to sort of how how much rules there are that are there to sort of support the game so if if you imagine there's sort of a spectrum between like nothing but rules and nothing but a game of imagination Crunchy sort of refers to how many rules there are, how close it is to the nothing but rules section. So it's very crunchy, lots of rules. Yeah. Not very crunchy. It's more sort of... What's the opposite of crunchy? Is there a word for that? Smooth? 
Freeform, I think, would be... I was just trying to think about, like, what's the opposite of, like, crunchy things. (laughs) No, I think Freeform is sort of the... Okay. So what we played in Dream of Ski was a very freeform game, while D&D is is much more crunchy. Much more crunchy, yeah. So, you know, if if you didn't like all the rules in D&D and were like, well, I prefer to find something that's a bit more freeform, there are lots of, especially nowadays, there are a lot more freeform RPGs than there used to be. And, you know, if you think D&D doesn't have enough rules and you want something that's crunchier, there are systems that are crunchier than D&D. Wow, I don't want to play those. <laughs> yeah, M-, M probably has strong opinions on that. Now, some people who are familiar with sort of the history of D&D may be asking, do people who play D&D worship Satan? I've never heard this question before. Are you sure this is not an outdated question? I mean, yes, it is outdated in that people don't generally ask this question anymore. But during the 80s and 90s, there was there's some serious questions about whether people who played D&D were satanic wow. worshipers. Interesting. And, you know, there's a whole Tom Hanks movie about the dangers of s- satanic worshiping in D&D, which is hilarious if you go back and watch it. So, while I'm sure that there are some people who are part of the Satanic Temple who also play D&D, not everyone who plays D&D is a worshiper of Satan. Of course, you know, if you want to hear the true meaning and true message, you know, play this podcast backwards and you'll get the, the true message. That's creepy. I didn't even know we were doing that, so... Well, I am the brains behind this podcast, so. Oh, you are the brains behind this podcast. Yes! No, this <laughs> I thought it was Sundar, the Earth Child. And I am a vessel of Sundar, the Earth Child. You're a vessel? Yes. Oh, I see. Z- Not just a messenger. Zundar speaks through me. I see. <laughs> so, um, you've, you've more recently picked up RPGs. Why do you like playing RPGs? Well, first, I feel like I should tell a little bit of the story about how I got into okay. RPGs. Yeah. So, you know, I had just moved last summer, and... I was just beginning my transition, you know, started to make those appointments to get on HRT in the fall of uh, last year. So, well, now it's 2019, so this would be the fall of 2018, Mm -hmm. right? So, or no, the fall of 2017, sorry. Has it really been that long? Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Year and a couple months, right? So, the fall of 2017, and I I had seen a post in in the trans group that I was a part of on Facebook by some random guy. Mm-hmm. Hint, hint. This random guy now is my partner. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he just posted like, oh, I, we want to, my wife and I want to start an all trans D&D campaign. Mm-hmm. So is anybody interested? And I, I responded because I was like, you know what? I need to get into a new hobby. Yeah. I want to try something different. So I commented, I was like, I'm a total noob, but I would love to try. Yeah. So I met him and his wife, and then we started a campaign with a couple other uh, trans people. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how I got into it. And it was it was interesting. I, I would say that my initial attraction to it was that it was a social activity. Okay. That it's something that's like bringing different people together. I'm getting to know new people. So I really like that it's something that people can do together. And like, we aren't all like just looking at our phones for hours. Yeah. That's kind of nice, right? Mm-hmm. Sort of an escape from, like, school. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of one thing. But I think if I had to, like, say, like, what keeps me playing RPGs, I think it's the potential to do things that you can't do. 
Okay. In real life. And sort of act out these fantastical scenarios. Okay. I think that's it for... Okay. So, so part of it, part of the attraction for you is the sort of the ability to sort of live out a kind of fantasy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that's an important, important part of RPGs is the ability to, is the ability to sort of do things which you can't do. Like, it's fun to play the, to, to play the mighty barbarian, glistening hues of muscle and, you know, nothing but a loincloth and an axe. Or, you know, playing the super intelligent wizard and like, yes, you know, with the power of my mind, I can warp reality. You know, these are, you know, very specific fantasy, you know, stereotypical fantasies that people like playing into. And, you know, sort of getting that feeling of like, yes, I, you know, I can be, you know, the, the mighty warrior, you know, the suave bard who can charm anybody, you know, the, the intelligent wizard who can study study to the point that you can break reality i mean that's that's a fancy right there it's like i studied so much i can break reality <laughs> but so for me you know i have a lot of fun playing rpgs part of it is that social experience you know it's fun to sort of have a a group activity where you know you get to talk with each other get to you know interact with each other and play off these sort of interesting dynamics i think for me a lot a lot of the attraction is like this is a this is a I get to participate in a story or I have no idea how it's going to how it's going to go like it's impossible for me to predict what the story beats are going to be and there's a lot of attraction in that for me nowadays because I've gotten to the point where I've watched enough movies and read enough books that like I get a pretty good sense of like where a story is going to go so for instance, I saw the new Mary Pop. Well, you haven't actually seen the new one. I haven't seen the new one, so don't spoil yeah. it for me. Well, there was a point fairly early on where I realized where an important MacGuffin was going to be by the end of the movie. And this is about, like, I'd say, like, 10 to 15 minutes into the movie. I realized, like, oh, this is where the MacGuffin is going to be by the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. And I was 100% correct. <laughs> So, you know, while that's a fun, that's sometimes a fun skill to have, it's also very uh, refreshing to be able to participate in a story and have no idea where it's going to go. Yeah, sort of like that surprise and... Yeah. And I know that, you know, we've played some RPGs together, mm-hmm. and I feel like something that, like, some people, some some DMs or GMs don't like about my playstyle is that, like, I kind of throw wrenches into their plans or whatever Mm -hmm. and i also come up with very bizarre things and so sometimes that annoys some people but you seem to be okay with me throwing in like random things or calling prison gangs the oranges yeah yeah i mean part part of the fun for me is like i this is something i would never come up with on my own and you know it's impossible impossible for me to predict like what the story beats are going to be Mm -hmm. i think yeah i had no idea that you were going to so I was somewhat certain, like, I was, I was not, I was not surprised when you decided to heal the goblin prisoner that you had taken. Mm-hmm. I was very surprised when you decided to heal the goblin prisoner by rubbing its cheeks and <laughs> casting <clears throat> healing word or healing touch, whatever it is that rangers have. Cure wounds. Cure wounds, sorry. 
It's okay. Uh, casting cure wounds while rubbing his cheeks. Yeah. That that threw me for a loop. And you know that you know that has its own sort of interesting story potential that right. I can sort of riff off of. You know, a big thing for me is the ability to sort of riff off other people and what they're right. doing. I think for me, like, I do enjoy throwing in those kind of, like, surprise things or, like, nonsensical things or things that maybe people didn't think that were going to happen, like, in our Dream of Skew Mm -hmm. game. I think that everybody was kind of surprised that I incited my followers to violence. Uh, yes. (laughs) Yes. That is, that is a true statement. (laughs) But if you had not incited your followers to violence, we would not have gotten the ending in our story that that we did. Right. Everything builds off of each other. Where, you know, where we decide to leave the uh, the environs of the city and mm-hmm. I had to knock out your characters that yeah. you'd come with us. Right. So we've talked about, we've talked about with various kind and, you know, just, just because this is the way that Em and I have fun with RPGs does not describe all the ways that people have fun with RPGs. Uh, there are some people who are really into sort of understanding a system and like trying to sort of maximize the benefit they can get out of a system. Very analytical approach, kind of. Yeah, there are some people who like who really like sort of the the tactical combat. There are other people who are really invested in sort of creating moments of high drama, mm-hmm. and you know, trying to have these sort of interesting story beats happen to either themselves or to the characters around them and you know some people are 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 just kind of there for the for the role play rather than the role play you know some people are there just to roll dice and play their characters because that's the part they find fun they find the game part fun not the role trying to act part fun and they uh, and we've already talked about sort of the difference between crunchy and rules light Mm -hmm. or freeform and, you know, and much like people play for different reasons, people DM for different reasons. A lot of the times that reason is necessity because... <laughs> Someone has to be the DM. <laughs> Somebody has to be the DM. I feel like I have I partially fall into the role of forever DM because, you know, it's like, well, I want to, I, you know, I want to play D&D and the only way I can play D&D is by DMing, so... And, you know, I think this is... Any way that you approach RPGs, you know, can be the correct way. But you also want to keep in mind that you're going to have to, you're going to have to blend your style with the other people in your group. And sometimes it's not always going to work out. Like, uh, sometimes your styles might be too different. You know, if you want to play a really crunchy, rules heavy game that's about like, where you can die during character creation, you can die during character creation? There are games where you can die during character creation. Wow. Traveler, I think, is the one that, that springs to mind. Okay. Where where essentially you can, as you're building, as you're creating your character, you can determine your rolling to see how well they did in their previous career. And one of the careers that you can do is military career. And if you roll badly in your military career, you can die. Wow. Before you start the game. Wow. Now, if you're interested in that kind of game and, you know, you go meet up with a local RPG group that's playing something like Fate, which is a very freeform rules-like game where it's like, oh, I'm going to invoke the aspect of the of the smoky room to give me advantage on this role or whatever. Like, you're, you're, you're probably not going to be compatible with that group, and that's okay. We live in an age where RPGs are more, are more popular than ever, mm-hmm. and... 
it's a lot easier to find groups to play with now, either online or in your friendly local gaming store. Yeah, you. so we have this bullet point here, and you wanted to talk about the resurgence of RPGs and D&D. Mm-hmm. And it's like, so yeah, now there are a lot of people who are doing this. I mean, just last night uh, when we were at the game store, yeah. you know, there's other groups there who are doing D&D yeah. or other RPGs. So you have you have a couple notes on that, and I think that it's interesting to talk about the resurgence. And I think that it's not just D&D and RPGs that are resurging. Resurging, Mm. is that a word? Yeah. But it's also like board games, I think in general, are even coming back to this. Yeah, so I think think it's fair to say, and people might disagree with me on this, I think it's fair to say that there has been a, a, a renaissance in board games. I think as part of that renaissance in board games there's now been increased interest in RPGs. Because people become more interested in board games, that sort of in-person social experience has become more normal. People have desired to sort of go beyond that into RPGs. And people remember, like, back in the 90s or 80s, like, playing board games. I was like, well, you know. And they also remember, like, playing RPGs back in the day, and they sort of, everything's sort of coming back from that time. Though, of course, it's not just board games. Part of the reason why D&D is seeing resurgence is because they released 5th edition, mm-hmm. which is specifically designed to be very sort of friendly to newer players and simplifies a lot of the a lot of the mechanics and math that used to be in the game. And part of the reason why 5th edition is so popular is because of D&D streamers. Specifically, I'm thinking of Critical Role. So what is Critical Role? Critical Role is a is a live stream where a group of voice actors got together and started live streaming their game of D&D on the internet. It has become wildly popular and partially because it just has good 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 production behind it, but also partially because these are all professional voice actors who are friends in real life. So when they get into character, they really get into character. And also, another reason why it's popular is because Matthew Mercer is kind of insane. Okay. He does an insane amount of preparation for his game. And this is coming from somebody who already thinks that I do an insane amount of preparation. And then I see Matthew Mercer's preparation, and I'm like, oh, I, I don't feel so bad about myself anymore. You already do a lot of prep. Yes. Like, a lot. Yes. It's very impressive. Thank you. I think it's important to do at least some preparation Mm -hmm. because having that preparation makes it easier to sort of improvise the more important stuff. So like having a list of random names available so that you can just pick a random name when you're trying to create a NPC on the fly is important. And, you know, everything else follows from that same logic. I'm still kind of anxious to run my own campaign at some point. Okay. But also because I feel like, and we've already addressed this, but because you do so much prep, and sometimes I'm like, I'm never going to be able to do that much prep. And you you do not need to do as much prep as I do. I I am fully aware that I do an insane amount of preparation. All right, so you've you've had a couple bullet points here. Yeah, I did. Uh, Do you want to talk about them? Well, yeah, I mean, I think I, the the bullet point, the importance of being social and the following bullet point, bullet point, which I added, kind of tie in together. So the importance of being social. I mean, I think this is my perspective. Mm-hmm. 
I am attached to my phone. Yes. Very much attached to my phone. Mm-hmm. And I have had to detox off of my phone for some sometimes. Like, especially when I'm going through a lot at school. Yeah. Sometimes I'll detox off of my phone. Mm-hmm. Because you can pull, get pulled into, like, the Facebook spiral or the whatever spiral that you're going down. Yeah. Tumblr spiral. Of course, now Tumblr is... That's a whole other thing. <laughs> but, you know, like, you get sucked in. Yes. And I see it, you know, even when I'm hanging out with my friends, just chilling. We're all, like, going to our phones. Mm-hmm. Right? It's, like, an automatic thing. Even with my, you know, my partners, mm-hmm. my metamors, all on our phones. And, I mean, there's some divide in who is more, you know, likely to be on their phone than not be on their phone. And I don't judge anybody for this because mm-hmm. I, you know, obviously have an attachment to my phone. Yeah. And so D&D or RPGs in general are a way for me to disengage from my phone mm-hmm. and be very focused on a, a, a shared social experience. activity yeah, yeah. A shared experience mm-hmm. yeah absolutely and i do it a little bit playing board games but not as much like i find it a little bit harder to detach playing board games yeah because there's sort of like turns normally or there's some like downtime mm-hmm. but with rpgs i kind of want to be engaged in the story the whole time yeah like, i don't want to be you know of course like life happens and i've had times where i've been playing D and i've had like someone message me that they had an emergency and they need yeah you know and I, there's some room for that. But I think overall, like, it is one of the best ways for me to be social mm-hmm. and also at the same time disengage from sort of my digital life. Okay. And then the other thing that is really cool, I think, about being kinky and nerdy and poly is that, you you know, if you're polyamorous, you sort of have a polycule. You have a poly network. Mm-hmm. You can recruit people from this poly network. Yeah. To participate in your RPG. Yeah, instead of kitchen table R- uh, poly, it can be RPG table poly. Yep. What is kitchen table poly? I've heard that term before, but what does it mean? So, now that, now that you've asked me to define it, my so my basic understanding of kitchen table poly is that, and I've not looked up like an official definition, this is just sort of my understanding based off context of how other people have used it. Kitchen table poly is sort of the idea that it is polyamory where your polycule will, will gather and are friendly with each other so that they can all sit. So you and all your partners and all your metamors can sit around like the same kitchen table mm-hmm. and all interact with each other smoothly. It's sort of my understanding of kitchen table poly. Okay. There are some people who, who like this and there are some people who prefer to have sort of more distance between themselves and their metamors. Right. I don't exactly know what the correct terminology would be for the separate the separate one, but I've I've definitely heard kitchen table poly a lot, and it's it seems to be a desired state for a lot of people who are really into polyamory. Okay, yeah, I had not heard. I mean, I had heard the term, but I didn't really know exactly what it meant. Mm-hmm. But yes, so there is RPG. Yeah, you can have RPG table poly. You know. And in fact, like, again, my I went into that D&D campaign, my first one, with these random nerds, mm-hmm. and now one of them is my boyfriend, and the other one is my boyfriend's wife. <laughs> That's pretty cool. And now, of course, I play RPGs with you yeah. and your other partners yeah. as well, Yeah, uh, which is fu- it's fun for me because I get to, I get to get to engage with your metamore, mm-hmm. with, I mean, my metamore, not yeah. your metamore. And you get to engage with your metamor, and then we can learn more about each other in that way. Yeah, that's really, it's really nice. Yeah, 
And I see, I see you, you put a bullet point down here of you, you want to do a, a, a kinky RPG? Yeah, I kind of want to do a, a kinky RPG. So, I don't know, I had been thinking about this since I started playing mm-hmm. D&D. Because I, I already was kind of throwing in some, like, low-key kink every once in a while. Yeah. Like, you know, it's easy when you've got, like, rope in your gear. <laughs> uh, <laughs> when you I'm are... just going to tie up this goblin real secure. Right? <laughs> you know, and there's a lot of moments, I think, when everybody is kinky, or poly even. I mean, there can be, like, cute poly moments that happen mm-hmm. in-game, even. Yeah. And so I, like, had this idea. I was like, I kind of want to make an explicitly kinky RPG. Okay. So that way everybody's on board that we can we can engage in that way. All right. And then I was like, is there something already out there that there's, like, a kinky RPG, like, already, like, a, a system, so to speak? You're asking me? I mean, I guess, because okay. I guess you're the expert here. <laughs> if there's not, then, if there's not already one that has, like, its own, like, little world... So there, I can't think of a of a system that is explicitly designed with kink in mind. There are systems that certainly lend itself more to that than others. Mm-hmm. So, so as you know, I have a list of RPG ideas for various campaigns I might want to run at some point. You know, mm-hmm. if I ever have the time. One of them being there's an RPG whose name I'm forgetting right now, where the premise of the RPG is that it. It takes place after the apocalypse, and all of humanity is gone. But humanity created these essential robots, robots essentially, mm-hmm. uh, and essentially they like made everything have an AI. So the RPG is like you are now these appliances and gadgets trying to make your way through this world. Oh, when like your original purpose was like you are the tennis ball return machine, right? And now you have to deal with like. How, how do you interact with the world when you are a tennis ball return machine? Right. That's very interesting. An idea I had for that was like, well, wouldn't it be interesting if there was a group of robot sex toys mm-hmm. that was trying to make its way through the world mm-hmm. after humanity was gone? Like, wh- what do you do when you are a vibrator? And, okay. <laughs> and you're trying to make your way. I feel like this would have to be like an explicitly like. Right. Sex positive right, slash sex positive, yes. group. Yeah, you'd have to be upfront yeah. about the material. But yeah, I had an idea of creating a system or like a, at least like having like the character archetypes because you know how you can pick of like, you know, like your class or race or whatever. Mm-hmm. And like having like, you know, the top and the bot. You can pick like top, bottom, switch, and then you can pick like, you know, your main thing like rope or yeah. fire or whatever. Uh, and kind of having like, you know, and then I kind of liked how Dream Askew did the gender. So like just being like, you know, you could. Yeah. Have whatever. But I mean, the great thing about RPGs is that, you know, as long as you discuss things with your group first, like, you can, you know, you've made your character in my D&D campaign explicitly a gender, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. And I'm definitely planning on putting in a couple of trans characters in in the setting as as the city grows that you guys are based in. And... You know, I'm also planning on like putting in some like explicitly like, yeah, this this woman is the priestess to a to a god of sex, and you know, she does some kinky things, right, uh, as part of her worship to this god of sex, mm-hmm. and there might be some you know tension between her and the <laughs> and the town <laughs> after she arrives. Mm-hmm. So you know, the you know you you can add these things. In fact. If if you don't mind delving into a bit of D and D history for a little bit, do you mind? Do I mind? Yeah. No, talk about it. All right. D and D history, go. 
So, so D and D comes in various editions, and for the for the 3.0 and 3.5 edition of D and D, there was what was called the open gaming license uh, that Wizards of the Coast put out, which said third party publishers are allowed to publish whatever content they want in support of our game, and they can use official stuff from our books okay. in order to publish their content. This backfired on them spectacularly Why? Uh, in two ways. One of which is it created their modern-day competitor, uh, which is Pathfinder. Which well, is, what is, why is that bad? Like, I don't understand. Like, I don't see competition as a bad thing. It's good because it's like more people are doing more RPGs. It is, it is good from a market point of view. It is better to have more competitors. From the corporation's point of view, it is bad to have more competitors. <laughs> so from Wizards, point, Wizards of the Coast point of view, it was probably a bad thing that they created their own biggest competitor. However, the other thing which kind of led to the death of 3.5 was somebody created uh, the book. Now I'm going to forget the title of the book. It's like the book of erotic perversion. Okay. Which was like, how can you add all sorts of like kinky stuff, as sex and kink to to D and D? Oh, okay. So somebody's kind of uh, already did did this sort of thing. Yeah, for three point five. And once that came out, like Wizards of the Coast, like, well, we're going to come out with a new edition of D and D now that does not have the open gaming license. <laughs> wow, but I don't I don't see that as backfire. I don't see any of that as backfiring. I guess. Maybe not from your point of view, but from a corporation that wants to maintain its market share, and part of its market share is trying to remain as family-friendly as possible, so it does not get the satanic backlash that it did back in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Having an openly sex-positive book that also, I think, had like random tables for like magical venereal diseases. <laughs> wow. If I remember correctly, it's been a very long time since I read the book. From their perspective, wanting to remain as family-friendly as possible, like, this was not good. And there was nothing they could do to stop that book from being published because of the open gaming license, which is why they transition, why they started transitioning so quickly into 4th edition. So, I guess there's room for me to build my own kinky RPG. Yeah. Yeah, you know, if you, if you want some help with, like, the game design, you know, I... You are an expert on game design, as I know. <laughs> I wouldn't call myself an expert. Oh, you're basically an expert, G. But you know, I've also, I've also been contemplating uh, designing my own sort of sex-positive board game be- based on. So I, I, I kickstarted this board game called Lap Dance. Okay. And th- with the main conceit being like you are all assistant managers trying to become the manager of the strip club. Okay. And it is a terrible game. Oh. Like. It is, it is too complicated to be a fun party game, mm-hmm. and it is not. But the ways that it's complicated are kind of weird and not fun. Okay. <laughs> so it's not really fun, a, a fun game to play on itself. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I would. I I've had a desire to try to make a more sort of a, a game on a similar sort of theme of like you are all assistant managers trying to become the manager of the strip club, but to try to make it a more fun experience rather than what that guy came out with so so you're gonna start that i mean it's a it's a back burner project the you know maybe if you know i i've never i haven't really dabbled in board game design before so you know i have to like come up with a design document like goals for what this game is supposed to be sure Uh, i feel like it's possible 
Yeah. You know, we we came out, came out of like you know we didn't know where this podcast was gonna go. Yeah. I mean, we still don't really. We know still where really, th- we really don't know where it's gonna go. Um. Well, I had a question for you that, of course, now I'm forgetting. Okay. Board game. It was something relating to board games. Okay. And D and D and. Perhaps Ready Player One. No. No. Gosh darn it. Did you actually say gosh darn it? I did say gosh darn it. What's wrong with gosh darn it? I don't know. I don't, I don't think I've ever, ever heard anybody say it that wasn't like a, a cartoon character. Oh, yeah. I say gosh darn it. Well, okay. Here's a good question. Okay. Would you ever want to stream one of your, or like record, make a podcast of one of your D&D campaigns or one of your RPG campaigns? So I will, I will admit, this one that's only come to me relatively recently I think my dream job at this point would be to be a be a D and D streamer. Your dream job would be a D and D streamer, or or an RPG streamer, because I've got so many ideas for so many different kinds of campaigns. That's like, man, I I don't I don't know how I'm going to I don't know how I'm going to do all the stuff without making it my job. <laughs> well, you could do that. You could start slow, start small, yeah, and work your way up. Like you know, I've. Yeah, I just have a lot of ideas for a lot of different kinds of games. Like, I want to run an XCOM-style game at some point. I want to run... Somebody made a suggestion on Reddit about re- using a certain system to run a Wicked and the Divine game, which I think would be fascinating. Oh yeah. You know, I also... You know, I have thoughts about creating, like, my own D&D setting. Mm-hmm. I, you know, that would be interesting to, like, have, like, my own D&D right. setting and, like, letting people explore my own yeah, D&D absolutely. setting. I feel like you're good at world building, so. Yeah. I, I've already told you about my idea for, for a sex toy. Yes. <laughs> sex toy RPG. That um, sounds fun. So yeah, there there are a lot of there's a lot of things I wanna do. Heck, I wanna I wanna do like a short a short campaign of Dream Askew because mm-hmm. like I think that would be a really interesting really interesting like short campaign of being like, oh, you know, what because we we ended our campaign like well we're we're leaving now and now we're going to try to find some place new to set up and you of course my character became terribly depressed at their at the loss. reckless actions yeah and you know gave up mm-hmm. their sort of their whole thing yeah and so you and I wasn't going to go with you yeah until my character drugged your character <laughs> and knocked you out yep and that's uh, something that can happen safely in an RPG setting. <laughs> yes. So, you know, I, I, it would have been interesting to see, like, what would your exactly. reaction be when you wake up? Like, I think X was saying, oh, well, you know, we can we can have M's character in my car mm-hmm. uh, when they wake up. I was like, no, I'll, I'll take responsibility. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. And I was like, when, when M's character wake up, like, I'll be there. And... So it would have been interesting to to see how that played out. Yes. Yeah, that's some of my favorite parts of that was just like the interpersonal dynamics and getting to interact with the other characters. Yeah. I thought it was very funny. We randomly distributed those characters and I feel like we all got like characters that we felt were pretty cool for us. Mm-hmm. And mine was like too appropriate. Well, <laughs> you've looked at this before. You're like, oh, I really want to play the torch. Yeah. <laughs> that was pretty funny. I would have been fine. I also like the hawker, mm-hmm. um, the stitcher. Yeah, but we'll we'll probably run some more of that at some point. Uh, but yeah, like I, I think it'd be a lot of fun to to stream or pot or release a podcast of a of a of an RPG I'm doing. 
partially because, you know, I think it'd be a lot of fun, and partially because, like, well, this is a good way to guarantee that, you know, we actually have a RPG night. <laughs> right. It's like, oh, yeah, we're putting this out in public, so, you know, you guys gotta show up. Definitely you don't need a committed crew, then. Yeah. This People is... who are reliable and... Yeah. I mean, I've kind of set up my current my current D&D campaign to fit as many unreliable players as right. possible, and I could I could fit comfortably a lot more unreliable players into into my current D D campaign. Right. But if you if we were streaming it'd have to be like more a smaller, more committed crew doing it. But there's also just a bunch of systems I want to try out. Like I've heard Numenera is really good. Okay, I haven't heard of that one. Um, I wanna try Blades in the Dark. Yeah, I wanna try Blades in the Dark too. Um, I think uh I think I might get that for X because X was saying that mm-hmm. it sounded like a cool concept. Yeah. There's, you know, there's just a lot of RPG systems out there that I at least want to try. I want to get a game of Eclipse phase going. <laughs> I know. I Okay, so I, I will have to say this, I guess. Yeah. I was supposed to be starting that tomorrow. Because mm-hmm. it's, what, Friday? Yeah. So, yeah, we were, we had set the date that I was going to start my Eclipse phase campaign with UNX. Yeah. Tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, but unfortunately, you know, personal personal circumstances, personal life stuff. It's just not feasible for me to start this tomorrow. Yeah. But I think that taking, like, now that I have, you know, a little bit of a break, taking this time to kind of work on it. Yeah. And maybe start it back up when I go back to school. Okay. Could be possible. Mm-hmm. Of course, then, you know, we have your campaign that's running. Mm-hmm. And I'm only going to have a couple of days, you know, to dedicate to these things. So. Yeah. Time is going to be hard. Yeah. And we still have a podcast to run. Yeah. I'm sure it's going to be super successful. But so do we want to talk a little bit about Eclipse Phase? Because I don't know if we maybe sort of run our time here. I don't I don't think we have. Yeah, we still got a little bit of time if you want to talk about Eclipse Phase. Well, it it's a tram, transhumanistic existential horror is how it is yes. defined, mm-hmm. categorized. and So for our listeners who might not know what transhumanist means... Did we not talk about that in our robots episode? Maybe I don't know. I I have not I've not listened to the robots episode enough in the editing process yet to remember that. So, just looking it up in the dictionary, transhumanism is the belief or theory that the human race can evolve beyond its current physical and mental limitations, especially by means of science and technology. Mm-hmm. Sort of transcending yes humanity. So. I think the best example of this in popular media at this point is the Netflix show Altered Carbon, right? Which shows human humans with the uh, ability to easily swap bodies. And in fact, if I remember correctly, the Eclipse Phase RPG was originally partially based on the Altered Carbon, or originally inspired by the Altered Carbon books. Right. I think you had mentioned that. Yeah. And there's one other show. That you had tried to get me into. I actually, I was interested in continuing it. That was kind of similar to Eclipse Phase. Oh, uh, The Expanse. The Expanse, yes. Yeah. So so when I'm trying to pitch Eclipse Phase as a game to people, what I usually say at this point is, it's like uh, the technology of Ultra Carbon meets the politics of The Expanse. So I definitely think, like, if I were to compare, like, D&D and Eclipse Phase, I prefer... The setting and sort of like the the idea behind Eclipse Phase a little bit more than like the traditional fantasy D&D mm-hmm. kind of setting. Because AI is very interesting to me, as you all know from 
the robots yes episode and my affinity for robots so tech is very interesting and i don't know i just i feel like the the system is also a little bit more simplified i would say it's a little bit more rules light than D, my understanding of it okay so i don't know i feel like it's going to be fun once we get to it yeah uh, you want to be an octopus i do want to be an octopus i if if there are any game designers or rpg designers out there if you want to endear endear yourself to this to this lowly podcast host if you design a system where it's relatively easy for me to be an octopus you know i'm I'm 110% behind that game at that point. Yeah, I even went out of my way to get Twilight Tales supplement to Golden Sky Stories. Mm-hmm. So you could be an octopus in Golden Sky Stories. So, yeah. So so you like the tech in, in Eclipse Phase. Yep. What about the existential horror? The existential... I mean, like, I deal with that with my daily life. Who doesn't okay. have existential horror? No, but I mean, like, obviously humanity is threatened. Yes. Transhumanity is threatened, mm-hmm. really. Yeah. Because human- it's gone beyond humanity at this point. Transhumanity is threatened. I feel like it's sort of this conflict of, like, how do we keep transhumanism going? Yes. How do we preserve it? And also exploring what it looks like. Mm-hmm. And I feel like all of that gets into a little bit of the existential horror of, like, you know, like, what if transhumanism... As then and therefore essentially humanity ceases to exist and like how do we confront those threats yeah one uh, one of the sort of parts of the eclipse phase setting is that transhumanity has discovered several remnants of extinct alien civilizations and with n- little to no idea why these alien civilizations went extinct uh, so there's this kind of ongoing existential question of like, well, how do we avoid... Right, how do we avoid this extinction? Yeah. Exactly. So yeah, I think you want to call that for the RPG episode? Was yeah. there something else you want to talk about? I mean, I could keep on talking all day about this. Yeah, we so. could talk. Yeah, for sure. No, I think I think that was good. Okay. I feel like we definitely had like more lulls in this episode than previous ones. Uh, Yeah, but you know, that's, that's why I edit these things. So right, that... yes. The lulls do not appear to the listeners. Right. Uh, We're in it for the lulls. Oh, gee. (laughs) If you get to make the G jokes, I get to make my own bad jokes. I mean, you can make as many bad jokes as you want. That's great. All right. Well, this is M. This is G. Don't be afraid to love how you love. Love what you love. And love who you love. If you'd like to get in touch with either myself or M, you can tweet us at KNP Podcast or email us at kinky.nerdy.poly at gmail.com. Alright. Close that. Okay. Let's let's get into the, the podcasting mind frame. Alright. We I'm are, just stretching. I'm going to do some stretching. We are so professional. Very professional, sitting in your closet. Yeah. All right. <coughs> la, 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 la. Um, <laughs> do some vocal exercises. No, I'm not. All right. Do some Kegels. <laughs> All right. I'm not quite sure how that helps with the podcast. It doesn't. But my dermatologist told me to do them once. Wait. Your dermatologist? Yeah. How does how does Kegels affect your 
your skin. Well, when she's injecting a syringe into your ear, apparently doing Kegels distracts you from that. <laughs> I mean... I feel like there's a lot of things that could distract you. Yeah, and she chose Kegels. (laughs) Okay. Real thing. Real. Real thing. 